Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. If you've been keeping up with Instagram, you'll have known that I was endeavouring to try and grow a beard um, the past wee while, and I've always, 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 always been clean-shaven. Um, unfortunately, I just couldn't stick it out. Um, number one, I felt like it was just, it was itchy at times. Um, I was even trying to exfoliate it to not make it as itchy, but... I just felt like it made me look even scruffier than I usually do. And uh, secondly, and probably the main reason is my wife um, would no longer kiss me with it. So <laughs> the decision was made to uh, to shave to shave the beard. Um, although it, I can grow it pretty easy. Uh, it's pretty thick. It just, yeah, it's never been me. So back to the, the clean shaven look for me it is. I'm, I'm sort of disappointed anyone out there that was... Uh, that was what we keep it going. I put up an Instagram story and there was an overwhelming response <laughs> to keep it growing. But hey, uh, it is what it is. It is um, very close, about um, a week and a half away really, until the, the next run of shows for the team kick in. I'm actually going to that one um, on the Saturday. It's in Telford. Me and Ryan are driving in the Friday. He looks absolutely insane. Uh, just go check him on Instagram. You'll see a, a picture of him, I'm sure, in one of my most recent posts. Um, on, so I'll watch him compete the Saturday in Telford. And then the Saturday night, drive two hours north uh, to Hayward because I have... Ian competing in his last show on the Sunday, which will be exciting. Looking forward to seeing them both. Uh, they both look absolutely nuts. Ian's gotten tighter since his last show, and Ryan is just, yeah. All, all you got to do is go look at the photos, and, and you'll see. And then thereafter, the week after that, I'm, I'm flying down to Maidenhead to a turbo show for the JT Grand Prix. So it's really about three shows in seven days across the country. Um, which is which is exciting. It's not something that I'll be able like I'm not able to do that every month. Um, I try to get to one show a month where I can from athletes because obviously I'm based in Scotland. Uh, but I felt like with the JT Grand Prix, I had three competing, so I'm literally flying there and back on the same day. Six a.m. flight out, 10, 10 a.m. flight coming home. So yeah, exciting times and can't wait. But onto uh, onto the topic of today's episode. Which is really to discuss uh, glute volume across the week, and it's not just going to be inclusive of females. Um, I'm going to explain the differences between um, programming for for guys and girls, because hey, some of us guys want to go a thick booty as well. Uh, I know that personally, I do. You know, when I came off stage last year, having chatted with uh, Cal Houston, my coaching, um, we had both kind of said, look that. There's not really much there in the glutes in that rear double um, and then in the side chest as well for as much as my chest maybe lets me down but uh, we needed the glutes to be a bit bigger so th it's not every guy that wants to grow his glutes but I will kind of go into um, the differences, the key differences, things that you need to be aware of and kind of number one um, I think that we need to discuss is just how much more um, females can train than us guys. We have different recovery needs, we have different capabilities of how much we can do, uh, how much volume we can handle uh, across the week and um, we should program accordingly. And This is really why, like you're, you're probably wondering like right okay well why can females do that and it's mostly due to the fact that they are have estrogen um, or they're more estrogen dominant than, than us guys um, 
in saying that, us guys can have quite high levels of estrogen too, if you're assisted like me. However, if we're speaking about uh, natural females, uh, they have higher estrogen than us. And estrogen itself is um, anti-catabolic, which is a fancy word for pretty much saying that it doesn't allow for much breakdown. So if it doesn't allow for much breakdown, then you sh- you know that muscle is going to be able to to go again quicker. Whereas us guys, uh, we have we're more testosterone dominant based, which is great. It allows us to to get a bit stronger, um, to add more muscle mass at a higher rate. But uh, we break you know we, we break down um, a little bit a little bit more than than females will, uh, and often just feel as well. Um, whether it's you know for females whether it's their they have an increased you know, clearing capacity of metabolic waste, and that's so, so. Let's say you do a set, right? And as you do the set, you build up fatigue, you build up metabolic waste products such as lactic acid. I feel that females can like clear that quicker because you guys are just ready to go again. Um, versus us guys, whenever I train with a, a female of a high level, a competitor, or an athlete, they just kick my ass with how many sets they could do. They're doing two sets to my one. Um, I think also, like, a lot of it has to to do with the, the load that's been shifted however when you look at the the body weight to body weight ratio to the, the load that's been lifted often some of the girls i train with have, have got more load on the bar than me because you know yes i'm maybe 130 kilos and maybe i'm doing you know say 260 on the hack squat or whatever it is maybe that's just double body weight well sometimes i'm maybe not even at that some of the females are going on, they're doing more than double body weight. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean, it's all relative. But yeah, so that's kind of one of the reasons why you can get guys versus girls, um, programming needs, recovery needs, uh, uh, like co- co- quite significantly different. And I'm going to go into that in the episode today. I'm going to literally talk through an example of a, of a, a pro- I've got a program here up on the screen of a female bikini girl and literally talk about that, what that programming differences versus my own as a guy um, and you'll like you'll see the the, the, the the there's quite significant differences so so let's say you are a bikini girl or maybe you're just a female that wants to grow a fat ass you know like like we all do well i'm a guy i want to go fat ass um how often are you training your glutes are you only hitting them once a week maybe you're hitting them twice a week what if i was to tell you that the majority of my girls will hit their glutes maybe three times a week. Now this doesn't need to be full sessions on these days, although I have some girls that, that have done that. Let's say they maybe train their their glutes on a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Saturday. Maybe there's a couple of upper body days in between, the Monday and the Tuesday. They maybe have a day off, um, sorry, the Monday and the Wednesday, they have a day off on Thursday. And maybe they train upper body on the Friday and then they have the, the Sunday off. Now, in that scenario, they maybe have a, a glute-focused session on on a Monday. Um, they maybe have more of a quad-focused session on the Wednesday. However, on that day, they maybe do three or four sets of glutes. So effectively, what we call that is we say we, we tag on glutes on that day. So we tag on glutes at the end of the workout. Or you could even be strategic, um, and I'll go through this in a second or in a minute here and put like a hip hinge in that on that on that Wednesday. Let's say the Wednesday is uh, more of a maybe it's more of a, a quad focused lower body day, but um, 
the Saturday is maybe solely glutes again. Um, it could even be glutes and delts. That's one of my favourites. My favourite split for females, uh, bikini girls, would be something like lower lower one um, that would be gluten hamstring focused. The day after, maybe like an upper body day that was like delts, back, um, tiny bit of triceps. The day after that would be, um, say, a quad focused leg session with the tag glutes. Day off, upper body day, then glutes and delts the day after, then a day off. Something like that or similar, um, I find works really, really well. Now, what you may be thinking is, right, okay, I know that I can do this. Um, I can hit them three times a week. Will I just put anything in there um, on any given day? And the answer is no. I think that what you need to be aware of, and this is what we'll speak about, is what is what moves generate the most fatigue? What moves need to only be put in a few times and what moves you could put in more frequently than others. So you must consider like all of the things that the hip, sorry, that the glutes do surrounding the hip, right? So they're gonna extend the hip, but they'll also abduct it as well. Internal and external rotation in the hip, the glutes will be involved in. Now, if we're thinking about, right, uh, a hip hinge. Now a hip hinge is simply where your bum gets pushed back the way and then you bring it forwards. The glutes will help bring that forward. So when, when we're doing a hip hinge, we are, I want you to be aware that you're working other muscle groups such as the lower back, hamstrings as well, of course, maybe the adductors. So with those hip hinge moves, what we find, particularly if the lower back's not supported, we just generate a lot of fatigue. And those are probably the moves that you'll not get away with programming in as much. So if I'm looking at the program I've got up here for this bikini girl, she's got a Smith squat that's got a hip hinge focus in there. And then she's also got a, a unilateral leg press with a high stance, however, her lower back supported. So she's not gonna generate much fatigue. No, so, and, and that's really the only hip hinges on that day. She'll have an upper day the day after, then, then when it comes to the quad focus day the day after upper, she has three sets of stiff leg deadlifts and two sets of glute kickbacks. Right, so the other thing I said, so we talked about hip hinge, but then you've also got uh, uh, moves where you work, say, the shortened range that don't generate as much fatigue and they, they'll involve other muscle groups, but not to the same extent. So what I'm meaning is like a glute drive, a 45 degree hip extension, a glute kickback, ones that we can really isolate more in that shortened range and not generate as much fatigue. So there's plenty, when I said there was only the, the, there was only the, the leg press and the Smith squat, the rest of them on that day is made up of the likes of the glute drive, the 45 degree hamstring curls, adductors, etc. We then move down to day five, which is more glutes and delts. And again, on this day, she's got hip thrusters on the Smith, but more cast style in the shortened range. We've got uh, a dumbbell RDL. We've then got Bulgarian split squats. And then we've got another leg press. So it's more of a combination of, right, we've got some hip hinges in there ones that have our lower back supported, like on the leg press. So across the week there, she's got, what's that? Three, four, five, 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven sets of hip hinges where our lower back isn't supported. Ten, eleven sets. It's not a whole lot, right? Considering when I look at the total amount of glute volume on this uh, Bikini Girls uh, program across the week, it's close to say twenty four to twenty six sets of glutes when you incorporate the rest. Um, so the other moves, as I says, that she's doing on those days are more just working in the shortened range. Now, that's all well and good, um, but you're probably thinking, right, well, what about us guys? So I've, I'll use myself as an example. I hit my glutes twice across the week. So I'm training lower body today, which is a Tuesday, and I will do two sets on the 45 degree hip extension. Personally, I actually hit, I feel my glutes quite a bit on a hack squat, um, tiny bit on the Smith, but solely like dominant um, today is the 45 hip extension because I limit my hip flexion on the Smith squat. Um, and then on a Friday, I'll do two sets of stiff legs, two sets of hip thrusters, two sets of 45 degrees. So there's six sets and two sets today. So that's eight sets that's solely focused on my my glutes right eight sets versus the bikini girls there which she's you know 28 to 26 sets let's say because I'm, I'm giving you just a i'm just giving you a, a something to go with a, a baseline because everyone's so individual that number might be like that 20 26 that like some girls might hear that and say that's crazy i'll never do i'll never do that much i can never recover from that much well hey let's remember that everybody's different and your recovery capabilities are determined on so many factors how strong you are, your age, your genetics, etc, etc. So remember that, please take what I'm saying with a pinch of salt and just say this is an example from one female and myself. Um, take take it as, as, as you can, take some advice and then implement it into your journey and let me know how you get on. But um, I think one thing uh, I should emphasise on is the, is, is the hip hinges, particularly the, the deadlifts. Or the deadlift variations um, in that bikini girls program, I have two variations of deadlifts across the week. Not everyone will get away with that. I find with this with this athlete, she can. And when I programmed it in, I says, "Look, I'm not sure if you'll get away with this doing a stiff leg on a Wednesday and then dumbbell RDL on a Saturday." Um, but we found that she can, and I hope that. Um, if you're listening to this, please go check out my latest post on a stiff leg. I'll briefly go into the difference between that and an RDL on here um, after this. But for example, for me, um, I can only hip hinge once a week, um, like a specific pull from the floor. And that for me is on a posterior day on a Friday. Um, and I can only do two sets and it wipes me. If I tried to do it again a few days later, I just know that I would regress. I wouldn't be as strong and I could potentially get injured and personally for clients for clients that are guys I like to run the variation of an RDL one week and a stiff leg the other if I can get away with it for some females I'll incorporate I'll get them to incorporate a stiff leg and an RDL across like on the on the same week and here's why RDL we're really focused on quite a slow eccentric so by eccentric I mean the lowering portion of the phase where the bar's getting lower towards the floor the bum's getting sent back and the, and the hips are staying quite high. We're really focusing on lengthening, 
right? Eccentrically lengthening and loading our glutes in that range. We're, we're working the, the lower back's getting worked a little bit, the hamstrings are getting worked too. And then we have this big emphasis on, you know, when we get to the bottom of the lift, contracting the glutes forward as hard as we can. So that's the RDL, a stiff leg. Remember, it's it's a dead dead pull from the floor. For me, I use blocks because I'm six foot three, six foot four. Um, from there, it's our back's almost horizontal with the floor. There's minimal knee bend, and we pull. Now the one difference is that we take the eccentric a bit quicker on a stiff leg than we do on an RDL. Why? Because our sole focus on that move is on the concentric part, the shortening, the pull off the floor. We don't want to be thinking about lowering it very slowly because what that will do is generate a lot of fatigue and will then impact your ability to get more reps across that set. So we've got one day where we're focusing on an RDL, slow, eccentric, different portion of the contractile range. Another day we're focusing on the other part of the contractile range, which is just the pull from the floor. So down it a little bit quicker. Uh, dead stop completely and make each rep as hard as, it ca- hard as it can and then what you'll find is each move will benefit the other 100% it'll benefit the other so taking it really slow on an RDL generating some tension and strength and those hammies as you do so means that that first pull from the floor or off a stiff leg your hammies get a little bit stronger for you being able to do that and pull from that position but also with the stiff leg we we've got such an emphasis on like the the shortening range that it then crosses over and helps the RDL shortening part where you go from the bottom left and then you bring the hips through bring the hips through so I just really feel that both of them both those moves will complement each other however if you are a male and you're assisted and you're heavy and you're really strong you will not get away with doing these twice a week I feel that you could you could run these alternative weeks, and I will do this with some clients. So maybe one week they do their RDL, and it's a top set and it's a back off set. The next week they do a stiff leg, and it's a top and it's a back off. That can work. Or what you can do is you could do top set stiff leg, back off set RDL is another option. Personally, what I do is I will run a hinge, a hip hinge, into the ground to the point where I can't progress it anymore, and then I'll change the hip hinge. So for a while, for me, it was an RDL, and I didn't get, a, I just couldn't get stronger for a long time. Then I switched it to a block pull off the blocks I'm pulling from now, but it was a regular deadlift. It wasn't a stiff leg, um, and then I hit a sticking point on that, and then I've changed it to a stiff leg. And I know I'm getting close to a sticking point. I know I'm getting close. Um, but at that point, then that's when I look to change the hip hinge as well. Um, probably back to an RDL or, or such like, and then push it back up. So yeah, hopefully that explains the differences between a stiff leg and an RDL um, and how each will complement the other. So when we look at the glute volume across the week, we must again think about rep ranges and where we can get away with some higher rep ranges and where we'll get away with um, or where we'll need some lower rep ranges so if we look at the hip hinge specifically pulls from the floor 
those are ones that I just don't feel you're ever going to be able to do like uh, anything more than like 12 reps. I think if you do go 15 to 20, it, it's just going to cause so much fatigue by the end of it, you'll probably not be feeling it in the target muscle group. Bear in mind that they're going to involve, you know, you say your lower back, your hamstrings, those muscle groups may, may tire and fatigue before your glutes do. So this is why you'll see like an RDL, a stiff leg, or maybe a squat variation like a um, Smith squat with a hip hinge focus or whatever it is. You'll see them more lower rep ranges, is it between 6 to 12 or whatever it is, and, and very little... Um, very little ones that are higher rep ranges. Where you'll maybe get away with um, with higher rep ranges would be more of working in the shortened range. So like say the glute drive, um, hip thrusters, 45 degree hip extension. Well actually on the 45 degree personally I, I stick between sort of 8 to 12 there thereabouts. But I think the leg press is one. Um, being able to 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 have your lower back supported as you do it and not let it round um, but to, to still be able to work the glutes I think that's a, a perfect move and what I would do with that is I would always put your more your high rep stuff um, such as the leg press or even your your glute kickbacks probably they're, they're a most common one put that stuff towards the end of your workout you know don't get me wrong with your other moves such as maybe your, your unilateral work, your split squats or, or whatever it is, of course you'll go heavy on those as well. But my main point was trying to emphasize that you won't get away with doing like a 20 rep RDL. And the reason I, I know that is uh, back in 2017, a coach I used to work with um, programmed in for me 30 reps of dumbbell RDLs. And I could tell you I did it for two weeks and then I was like, that I can't do these anymore. Uh, my heart and lungs were gone by the end of it but it was mostly just my lower back was so fatigued um whereas like now i mean i could pull on a stiff leg 235 240 without a belt my lower back would be fine but you asked me to do 30 reps i think my lower back would probably be absolutely tanked by the end of it so to kind of almost round this up some of you might be wondering um well Vaughan, where do i start with programming what do i do what i want you to do is go go back and have a listen to the the maximum recoverable volume and the minimal recoverable volume episode. Uh, we actually briefly d- discussed it on um, uh, the podcast with Christian as well. Go listen to them and you'll get a rough idea of where to start with your programming uh, and then how to manipulate it up. And you're just really trying to get to a point where you can recover from the amount of work you're doing. You're not doing too much that you can't recover or get stronger. And then I think that's the sweet spot because you're not obviously wanting to do as minimal enough because to maintain it, the minimal recoverable volume is the least amount of volume you can do to maintain as you are. Whereas if you're listening to this, you're more than likely someone that's wanting to, to grow their glutes. For me, um, could I push mine up? I know if I did, I'd, I'd maybe struggle. If I pushed up today on lower, my lower body session, I'd maybe struggle to recover by the time it got to my kind of posterior session, which for the first three exercises is solely glute focused. And on that on that hamstring, sorry, on the posterior day, on my last set of hip extensions, my glutes are fried. And that's after two sets of stiff legs, two sets of hip thrusters, and then going to leg extension. 
my glutes are done on the hip extension my glutes are absolutely done by the end of that other common misconceptions might be Havon. Um, I've been told that I've, you know, um, my glute kickbacks are the worst exercise out there and should I be doing them? What I'd say is they have their place in a programming for sure. Um, should you should your program involve banded kickbacks, supersetted with frog pumps? And this actually thing, the answer I would say would be no. But could you incorporate a, a kickback, cuffed kickback, um, you know, more towards the the latter end of your your glute session, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that you'll you'll get an incredible pump from it. I think that you'll find it hard to progress if you make it heavy, heavy load. I'd focus on more metabolic stress, uh, which is just a fancy word for high reps, not a lot of rest, um, tempo, the squeeze, the mind to muscle connection, um, as always. So I think uh, as a summary, as as a brief. Um, as a brief look at glute volume and programming across the week, how, how do we sum this all up? Well, it would it would be to say that you know us guys and girls, we we have to train significantly differently uh, across the week when it comes to the same body part, and the same would go for like you know I'm sure um, the wants and desires of guys versus girls are quite different. Now, I might be a bit. Uh, off the beaten path as such as a guy wanting to get bigger glutes most guys just want big big chest don't they as a female you probably don't want a big chest right you want bigger glutes but regardless your training must be reflective of your own gender's recovery capabilities even more specific your own capabilities because if you're a female how many sets you can do and recover might be completely different from your pal who's a, a bikini girl as well how many sets that she could do or she needs to grow or this that and the next thing how you can program um say with for females three times across the week for guys maybe twice but the, the amount of sets and, and reps is, is a lot lot less think you've got to be strategic with the hip hinge moves versus the shortened range and knowing that the ones that are more hip hinge focused will generate a lot of fatigue and um, particularly in other muscle groups um, more overall fatigue I would say and versus the shortened range which, which won't it'll just generate a lot of fatigue in your glutes so you can get away with get away with programming more of the shortened range stuff um, the rep ranges on those are probably on, on the hip hinges the heavier stuff the pulls from the floor will always be that little bit lower and you'll probably not tend to go high but where you can go higher is with the likes of the leg presses uh, the, the the glute drive the 45 degree hip extension and your kickbacks um, and hopefully you understood the benefit of why a stiff leg complements an RDL and an RDL complements a stiff leg if they're run in the same in the same week for bikini rolls or if, but if you're a guy I do feel that you will need to separate the pulls that you do just because simply you'll be too strong um, you won't recover from it um, unfortunately and you know as guys you must you know, if you listen to this accept that the majority of females uh, that are high level will be stronger than you pound for pound um, and they will recover better and they are just a little bit superior in that sense so yeah just just get over that because they'll always win uh, so listen guys I hope that that is uh, helpful if you are at the Fitex show in Telford next Saturday please come and say hi if you are at the Hayward Show on the UKDFB on the Sunday, again, please come and say hi. I'd love to chat to you and get to know a little bit about your journey and what you do. If you are thinking about competing uh, for next year 
or you're just you're, you're interested in bodybuilding you maybe want to do a photo shoot or you want to achieve an awesome you know body transformation please do get in touch with myself and the team we do have spaces available if you want to sign up all you got to do is just dm us on instagram and uh, you can get booked in for your free consultation so that's it for me guys i hope that wherever you are whatever you do give it the beans